0: Hey guys, it's Miller. Thanks for tuning into this week's installment Upper Room Dallas podcast. Uh, I'm teaching on stewardship. Uh, we are stewards of all that we're given. Uh, our life is actually not our own. It's the Lord's. And uh, we're living for those those beautiful words in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. And one of those places is in our finances. And so we just unpack uh, some key principles in building your financial home. Uh, I had 20 somethings in mind, but For even seasoned saints, I think this will be an encouraging word uh, to honor the Lord with uh, our finances, to honor him with all that we have. So, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. You never know who you're sitting by at the upper room. Um, Well, I have some notes for you once again. If you have your phones, you can uh, open them up. There's a QR code here. And I won't get through all these, but these are my teaching notes. This is exactly, I study, I write them on a Word doc. And so forgive me for any typos or uh, things that you don't understand, but I fully understand them because they're my notes. But maybe God will give you the gift of interpretation. Um, But I want want to give you scriptures. I want to give you... um, just things to take home and to get in the word. Uh, so also, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Exodus chapter 13. And uh, we're gonna have a good morning. We had a great night last night. I know Sunday morning is full. Saturday night, there's still some room. So if you're a young family, we have, uh, we have kids programs on Saturday night and really encourage you 4 p.m. Saturday night. If, uh, if you can make it, that would be awesome. Let me pray for us. Jesus, uh, we believe your word is living and active, and so we ask for your word to come and do what only it can. Divide soul, spirit, bone marrow. Uh, Lord, your word holds all things together, and we are expectant that uh, through these practical truths that we're going to look at this morning, that you will bring divine order to families, that you'll bring divine order to young families. Uh, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about stewardship and money. Uh, I had this on my heart to do before the end of the year, and um, this might be next to Christmas Eve. I think the next two weeks I'm on the road, and so I wanted to make sure, just in obedience to what the Lord has been speaking to me and our elders, that uh, we talk about this. And I want you to know out of the the gates, uh, it's been 2017 since I've done any type of teaching on stewardship and specifically money. And so I've repented over the last couple of weeks as we've had small talks around uh, offering for not doing that. Uh, but I don't know of a teaching that I do regularly, next to the one I did two weeks ago on tongues, the gift of tongues, how many of you are here for that? Uh, I, have, I have heard from over 100 plus people that have gotten a prayer language through that teaching, a lot of them online, really, really awesome. Uh, so there's that, and a lot of testimonies come from, from, from that teaching, but the, I would say a close second would be this teaching when it comes to finances. Uh, As a young 20-something, I didn't have a vision for my finances. I really, you know, was wholehearted and radical for the Lord and and, uh, attempting to give him all that I had. But uh, my finances, um, I just didn't have a vision for that. I didn't have a vision as a young 20-something. We have a lot of young families. We have a lot of new uh, first-generation believers in the upper room. And so my goal this morning is to give you a a vision for your finances and how to honor the Lord, uh, what scripture says about your finances. Uh, just because it, the Bible has a lot to say about it and, um, and it affects everyone in this room. And so uh, I don't apologize for speaking about this, but I want you to know some disclaimers out of the gates is uh, we're not in trouble financially as a church. We're actually doing quite well. Um, I don't know uh, what anyone gives in this room also and I wanna give you a resource. If you email me at info at Uroom, I wanna get you a book. And it's to me, the gold standard on uh, giving and stewardship. It's Robert Morris's book called The Blessed Life. So if you haven't read that, I would love to make sure you get a copy of that. Um, and so that's at the top of your notes, uh, just some resources for you uh, to go and get on Amazon or wherever, but if you can't afford that book or you need that book, please email me and I'll get that to you. Is that cool? You good? All right, let's go. Um, stewardship. I, I, uh, you know, The older I get, the more I realize how important this uh, word is, that we are stewards of the life that he's given us. To be a steward is to manage uh, the affairs or the matters of someone else. Uh, you're managing something that's been given to you, and your life was given to you by your creator, and you are stewarding this life. And one day you will stand before him. In the parable of Matthew 25... Is, uh, is, is something that I try to put before my heart regularly, that we're living for an appointed moment, we're living for an appointed uh, time where we will stand before that creator. And I'm living to hear these words from him, well done, good and faithful servant. I will stand before him, my wife won't be there, you won't be there, it will just be me and him. And how I stewarded the opportunities, the relationships, how I stewarded my time, how I stewarded my finances, how I stewarded seasons that I went through. He will know my beginning from end and he will look at the way that I stewarded what was before me. And he will not judge my life based on you. He will not judge my life based on anyone but myself. And I'm living for that day when he looks at me and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We all have that appointed time. We all have that appointment in the future. I don't know when it is for you, for me, but I do know it is when, not if. And so stewardship is so, so vital. And the things we steward, money and resources are one of them, but we steward our gifts, we steward our time, we steward trials. Man, as a pastor, do I watch some people uh, allow trials to define them, and I watch other people allow trials, refine them. Uh, how you go through trials, how you go through the fire, how you go through those moments when life throws you a curveball, like how you steward your heart, how you surrender to the Lord, it can refine you and make you more like Jesus, or it can define the rest of your life. The day of trouble is so important to steward well. Trouble comes to all, but how you steward trouble is so crucial in you presenting a heart of wisdom before the Lord in that day. He says to number your days so that in that hour you can present to the Lord a heart of wisdom. That's Psalms 90. What you do matters. Oftentimes the things we're looking at aren't the things the Lord's looking at. Uh, the Lord's metrics are way different than ours. And so little you stewarding your heart, little you stewarding the opportunities, the relationships, your time, the seasons that you go through, the Lord sees it and he keeps record of it. He doesn't keep record of your wrongs, but he keeps record of how you responded to life and what you did with those trials and challenges and how you honored him through it, how, you, how he met you in those places. Come on, beloved. It's so, so crucial. He is, uh, he is amazing and he, he wants to reward us. And so, how we steward words from the Lord, uh, your history with God matters. Let me ask you a question Do you have a history with God this morning? Can you look back at your life and see how the Lord has led you? Developing a history with God is the track record of stewarding words. Again, trials, opportunities, and relationships, it's so important. That's why I always acknowledge friends when they're in the room, because you never know what's gonna happen through inviting Keith or Philip or other people up front and just how these connections are made. And before you know it, one little connection on a Sunday morning turns into a pivot in your life. Before you know it, you're in a foreign land serving the Lord in a place that you never thought you would because you stewarded an opportunity. We get those every day. Um, So we steward seasons, we steward words, steward relationships, steward trials, steward time, steward gifts, but we also steward our money and our resources. And uh, I'm thinking of um, young families this morning as I teach. I'm thinking of young families that are just getting started Um, especially in the current economic uh, climate and economic forecasts, I wanna give you confidence to face whatever you're facing, that Jesus is your provider. And there's some principles and some order that he wants to bring to your financial house to secure you in the days ahead, to secure you. I am confident that God is gonna bless his people in in uh, in in the shakings that are to come. I'm confident of it. Uh, I'm confident that he is gonna provide abundantly. He's gonna provide supernaturally. And I wanna prepare you for that as your pastor, no matter what CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, economic reports say. You have a God who is faithful and he's gonna provide for you. And so uh, uh, let's look at this. So teaching topics, stewardship and money. I'm literally gonna walk you through my notes, but they're that good. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says this. But since you excel, and I think of upper room when I look at this. Since you excel, you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love that we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. In the next chapter, he says, each one must do as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because God is a cheerful giver. (laughs) God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. Let's read that together, those six words. Always having all sufficiency in everything. Again always having all sufficiency in everything. One more time, always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. These are all centered around uh, stewarding finances, stewarding your possessions. And it's about giving. It's about Knowing what you have isn't yours. Every good and perfect gift that you've received comes from the Father of heavenly lights. So you are just stewards of those things. Amen. That's right. And giving is so central to the Christian. Uh, I said, God is a cheerful giver. Uh, God so loved the world, He what? From the overflow of His love, He gives. And so Christians give. Do you know what fish do? They swim. You know what dogs do? They bark. What do ducks do? What do Christians do? They give. It's their life. It's what we do. It needs to be synonymous with the word. We are givers. And what I love about uh, finances specifically is a lot of the things that we give are immeasurable. Like it's sometimes hard to measure the offerings that we bring to the Lord, but this specific category of giving, it can be very defined for you. And you can see actually how God blesses you through what you give. In the Bible, there's 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but there's over 2000 verses on money and possession. Uh, Money and possessions were 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught. 42% of his parables centered around this topic. Uh, Again, Robert Morris to me is the gold standard in the church for this. He has just really uh, pioneered the way for so many and especially me as a young 20-something. I remember hearing The Blessed Life for the first time And I thought, man, I had never heard this teaching and it gave me vision for my finances. Um, I was a broke pastor. Like I just didn't think finances was a a thing for me. And what I've seen the Lord do since I tapped into these uh, principles in my finances, I am blown away by how he's blessed my life. And I realized it's not about the blessing. It's really not. It's about knowing his heart. It's about knowing his nature. It's about knowing his character. This is about knowing him Is there blessing? Yes, but it ain't about that. It's about knowing him uh, personally. So Robert Moore says this, how you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience in this life. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't leave money out. Look at this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. This is a key principle. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, your heart is if i want to see what you treasure you know, look at your bank account very telling you know where my heart is i mean it's with the lord obviously but uh my heart my 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 heart's with amazon actually <laughs> do you know why because i'm an investor in amazon i didn't really care that much about amazon But a couple of months ago, I put some money into Amazon. And now when that Amazon delivery guy comes up and he drops off a box, I I feel this affinity for him. (laughs) I feel this affinity for him dropping off a box at my house. Why? Because I've invested financially into that company. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. I'm not saying that I like serve Amazon, but I am saying that my finances are connected to my heart. And as I invest in a company, all of a sudden I pay attention to that company. Wow. So oftentimes, if you want to direct your heart towards the Lord, attach your finances to it. Because your heart follows your finances according to Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about money. He's talking about possessions. And if you don't believe me, keep reading. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then the eye is, if the eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? For no one can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He's talking about money here. So, where your money, your wealth is, there your heart is. So, let me give you a vision for your finances. Oh, young couple at the upper room, or first-gen believer in Jesus, uh, I didn't understand these categories. And I want to break down just three categories for your finances. Uh, And again, this just sets um, vision for you to start to build uh, your financial house around uh, God's divine order and his ways. The three categories are this. The first is the tithe. Uh, Tithe is number one. It's the the bottom rung, I would say, of uh, giving for uh, the believer. And we'll talk about the tithe here in a second. It's 10%. Um, anything above the tithe, so anything greater than 10% financially that you receive would be considered an offering. In Malachi chapter 3, he gives two categories uh, for giving, tithes and offerings. He delineates between the two. So the tithe is a tenth, and then anything over that 10% enters into the category of an offering. So 10% is what? The 1% on top of that enters into what? The offering. So you have category 2. And then category three is, is one of the, I think one of the most exciting categories of giving, but one of the most painful <laughs> and challenging, and it's sacrificial giving. This is when it's painful. This is when oftentimes it doesn't make sense. This is oftentimes when you give based on the word of the Lord, and it's an offering of faith. The patriarchs of old, you look at those that um, we study and esteem and celebrate Uh, the race that they ran, and oftentimes it is marked by a sacrificial offering. Uh, Isaac, uh, Abraham offering Isaac, that's a sacrificial uh, offering. We have Mary in her alabaster jar. She gave her entire net worth. She anointed the feet of Jesus. Uh, David gave a sacrificial offering to his son Solomon as king. He gave over $41 billion dollars modern-day currency, uh, to his son to build the temple. Solomon's a great example. Solomon, uh, the the coronation of him being king, he went to Gibeah, was gonna offer an offering to the Lord. The law said he should offer one bull, one bull, which would have taken maybe 20 minutes. I'm guessing, never offered a bull before, but (laughs) I'm thinking it's a pretty quick process. He didn't offer one bull. Do you know what he offered? 1,000 bulls. It was a sacrificial, extravagant offering to the Lord. Do you know what happened that night? The Lord said, you ain't gonna, you're not going to outgive me. The Lord comes to me and he says, ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. Why? Because something about the offering provoked the Lord. Something about him giving and giving sacrificially, it attracted the Lord. Why? Because that's who the Lord is the lord talk about a sacrificial giving man he banked up heaven and sent his son <laughs> come on he gave his firstborn and only son to us so let's talk about that first rung of giving if you're with me say amen, amen. come on i know sometimes you're like Ah, oh, here we go but this this is such a practical teaching it's such a practical teaching uh it's something you can start to do tomorrow it's something you can do today and um and so I, I, want you to, I want you to see this. I want to provoke your faith um, for this. So in, in 2013, we were a young church still, but in 2013, we were a really young church. And uh, we had a ton of millennials and then a ton of newborn uh, Christians, first-gen Christians. A lot of them had, had no orientation to the church. And so I wanted to survey them based on uh, this subject. And so I had three questions. What is the tithe? When do you tithe? Who do you tithe to? And these were the responses that I got. What is the tithe? Um, it's what I give to God each month. My favorite in this category, what is the tithe? Is a business guy put, it's the church tax. <laughs> oh, another one, second close favorite was, uh, it's what pays your salary, Miller. Um, I know. I, hey, bro, do we need to pray? Uh, it had a smiley face next to it, but um, it's 10%. Uh, It's the offering I drop in the offering plate. It's my offering to God. That was five people. Whatever the Lord tells me to give, I pray and the Lord leads my giving. Um, The correct answer is the tithe is 10%. (laughs) When do you tithe? Uh, I tithe after I get my paycheck on the 1st and 15th, every two weeks when I'm paid, when I remember to do it. Uh, When I'm paying my bills, I usually give my tithe. When the Lord tells me to, I give my tithe. Uh, Who do you tithe to? Uh, The majority was the church. Uh, Another said, I asked the Lord uh, how he wants me to give and I give, uh, one dude put a few of my friends that need money, <laughs> that's a good friend. <laughs> Others said missionaries. So um, let, me, let me answer a couple of these questions according to the Bible. These are all in your notes. So and check this out, tithe the find. Uh, tithe actually means a 10th or a 10th part in Hebrew. And um, it's found in Leviticus 2730. It says a tithe of everything from the land. Um, and, and you could put from the land. Uh, from the land was their job. It's it's it was the currency of the day. They were all uh, farmers, agriculture, what came forth from the ground, or even uh, even uh, their their herds. So a tithe of everything from the land, everything that that is yours, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the tithe is the Lord's. <clears throat> And the tithe is a 10th. And a 10th, biblically represents the whole. Uh, tithe was the amount. It was the quantity that they were to give. So let's just play a game here real quickly. If you make $500, what's the tithe? 50, it's quantified. It's 10% of 500. Uh, if you make $1,000, what's a tithe? Tithe 100, so it's very specific. It is. It is a it is hundred dollars to the thousand um, and and so not only does a, a tie uh, the tenth represent the whole, if you think of the, the the decimal system, you need ten numbers and those ten numbers make up the entire decimal system. You can get to infinity from ten. So ten is the whole of all. Ten represents the whole. Um, ten also is the number for testing in the Bible so Uh, 10 represents the whole, but it also represents testing. Look at this, how many plagues did Pharaoh face? Face 10, how many commandments were there? 10. How many times were the Israelites tested in the wilderness? 10 times. Daniel was tested 10 times in Daniel. Uh, Matthew 25, it's a parable of testing and being prepared. There were 10 virgins. So 10 represents testing and it represents the whole. And so um, three points about the tithe. One is it's very specific. Um, it's not just a tip that we lay on a table in appreciation for service afterwards. It requires calculation. It deals with specific amounts God has provided and we assess his goodness towards us. A quantified offering of blessing to the one has given us everything. It's stating this. It's saying that all that we are and all that we have is from you, which will lead to the next point. Um, but it's an allocation of the blessings that he's given us. Uh, It's God's, so the tithe is God's. Everything is from God and everything is for God, but this principle is a built-in reminder that everything we have is his. We don't give the tithe, we actually bring the tithe. You're not giving him anything, you're actually bringing him what's already his. Does this make sense? So um, it's the principle that was found in the Garden of Eden. Uh, They had access to everything but one thing. It was the tree and it was the reminder that they were stewards of the garden. They were managers of it. They were not owners. So again, Leviticus 2730, uh, everything belongs to the Lord. So we bring the tithe to the Lord and we'll get into, it's not just quantity, it's quality. That's coming up in just a second. So it's the beginning, giving begins with the tithe. Um, You can measure yourself as a giver uh, based on the tithe. I have a lot of people always argue with me, you know, tithe is the law. It's Old Testament. We're in the new covenant. I'm like, okay, that's cool, bro. That's cool. But in the new covenant, we should actually give more than the old. You know what I mean? So let's just start with the old and get into the new. But what I realized is I thought I was a really like awesome giver. I was like, man, as a, as a, I mean, I think my first youth ministry job, I was making like 24 grand. All right. I could barely pay my rent and get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. But at the end of the year, I realized that I didn't take my finances seriously and I didn't tithe, I think I tithed like 6%. And I went and I looked at my finances and I was like, Lord, I, I, I did not honor you with my finances in the little. And I was so deeply convicted about it making 24 grand that I thought, Lord, I, I, <laughs> I wanna be a faithful steward in everything. And so even making 24 grand, I felt the conviction of the Lord. I started saying, Lord, I'm going to give you the full 10%. And, uh, and so uh, that was like the training wheels for me. It was like the, the point that I put training wheels and started like walking as a giver financially. And so I think giving begins uh, with the tithe. Um, oftentimes when people use the term like, I just believe in grace giving, it is. It usually doesn't have a plan. It's not calculated and it's not defined. It's just kind of whimsical. And when I wanna give, I give. And yet this is a plan for giving, the tithe is. Um, So I highly encourage you, make sure that this principle is in place. So quantity is 10%, but it's not just quantity, it's quality. Everyone say quality. This is my favorite part. It's not just 10%, it's the first 10%. And so look at this, Exodus 13.2. Exodus 13, 2. This is right after the Passover ordinance is, um, is given in 12. And then the Lord talks about first fruits. He talks about firstborn in Exodus 13. Watch this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify to me every firstborn. The first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and of beast, it belongs to me. The Hebrew is emphatic here. Other translations says, it is mine. He's possessive of the first fruits. And in chapter 13, or verse 13 of this chapter, we'll start in 12. He he gives a principle, and you'll you'll see the gospel in this first fruit principle. Look at this. Now when the Lord, this verse 11. Now when the Lord brings you to the land of Canaanites, as he swore to you, and to your father and gives it to you. So he's giving you the land. You shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. So when you get into the land, when you get into the promise that I'm gonna give you, I'm telling you as I give you these promises that you're to give me the first. You're to give me the first. The first of what? The first of every womb, the first offspring of every beast that you own, the males that belong to you. Verse 13, but every first offspring of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. So this is kind of, it seems like a wonky detail. Like what's the difference between a donkey and a lamb? What are you talking about, God? Well, the first principle is, is the Lord's showing his preeminence that he comes before anything. And so The first of your fruits are mine. Again, the principle first is for the people. But then this is the gospel because you have two classifications of animals. You have donkeys and you have lambs. If you study out the law, there's animals that were clean and animals that were unclean. What is a donkey? What's a donkey? A donkey's unclean. So a donkey represents unclean animals. What's a lamb? A lamb's a clean animal. And so he says this, when something is unclean, when a donkey is born that is unclean, you need to redeem that firstborn donkey by killing a firstling lamb. And the offering of the lamb, which is clean, will redeem the firstborn that is unclean. I don't know if you see the gospel in this, but you and I were born we were donkeys. <laughs> and we needed a lamb. And John the Baptist introduces God's son. It says, like, introduction to him behold, the lamb. lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Who is that lamb? It's God's firstborn son. This is Romans 8. It says, You who he foreknew. Say, that's me. See. You who he foreknew. Say, that's me. See. You who he foreknew. Say, That's me, predestined. You who he foreknew, he predestined. He had a plan. And that plan was to conform you into the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me say that again. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, meaning the Lamb of God redeemed mankind. It was God's offering. Uh, Robert Morris goes as far to say that Jesus is God's tithe. That that offering represents the whole. (laughs) He's the firstborn. Among many brethren, he's the firstborn of the dead, according to Colossians 1.18 in, Roman, in Revelation chapter 1. He's the firstborn. Uh, this, this, this idea of first, it's so crucial, it's so central to the gospel. God gave us his first and his best. And the tithe is a built-in principle for our finances that we give him our first and we give him our best. Shut up, Papa. It's the first fruits. Um, Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Um, Here's some excuses for not tithing. I'm too young. It's not true. I mean, you know, I make my four-year-old tithe. (laughs) He gets a little allowance, and we're teaching him, well, it's God's, well, it's his, because all things from God, and it, it's really a, a, a cool thing to watch him learn. Another excuse is that you're just too broke. Um, this might be why you broke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, if you're faithful with a little, you get more. Uh, the parable of the talents, he gave, he gave this is a convicting t- deal. He gave one guy 10 talents. He gave one guy five talents, and he gave one guy one talent. Now, this is in your notes, but a talent, I believe, is 15 years worth of wages. So, if you do all the math, current finances, the 10 talents, this guy received just under, I think is 4 million bucks. Five talents, this guy received like 1.8 million. This guy receives 700 and some odd thousand. So, you have three levels of gifts. Three things that people are stewarding. This guy, you know what he does? He starts to work what he's given, and he doubles it. And he brings it back. Or the, the, the master comes back, and the servant brings him double what he did. And this where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Second guy multiplies five, and he brings him ten. And he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. This guy, he's like, I knew you to be shrewd. I knew you to be hard, so I buried this, protecting it. And he goes, you wicked servant, give what is his to this guy. So don't think you have too little (laughs) based on what someone else has. Be faithful with what you have. And when you're faithful with a little, watch that seed multiply and grow. So no vision oftentimes, we don't have vision for it, but God has purpose for your finances. He wants to bless you for his purposes. Come on. Uh, The law, it's Old Testament. Um, and again, I said, if that's you, I totally get it. You can stay that way. But the tithe was actually introduced under Abraham, which was pre-law. Uh, both Abraham and Jacob, you can see the tithe and what they gave to the Lord. To me, that's just a kingdom principle, and it's for our good. I do not want to put you under the law. I am not putting you under the law. I'm trying to put divine order in your house so that he can bless you. Like, listen, try. life's hard enough. It's, it's Life's hard. But to do life outside of God's order is insane. I don't know how people do it. There is order to this thing we call life. There's order to your finances. There's order to your marriage. There's order to your relationships. There's order. And this is how you get divine order in your financial home, beloved. Take this serious. All right, in closing, and then we're gonna pray for one another. Uh, Malachi chapter three is a real famous text that, Uh, A lot of people uh, pointed that I I would be remiss if I did not share it with you. Malachi 3, verse 6. Um, The book of Malachi is addressing uh, the nation of Israel and and just their their priestly system had become corrupt. Uh, The offerings they were bringing um, were deformed and not honoring to the Lord. Uh, Malachi chapter 2, the previous chapter before this one, this is where God says, I hate divorce. Famous scripture that the church is oftentimes thrown at people that are going through uh, divorces. And if you've been divorced, I want you to know, I always mention it when I preach out of Malachi, is God was speaking from firsthand experience. Malachi is a people that had divorced him. Malachi is writing to a people that had walked away and broken covenant with God. And he's saying, I hate divorce because of what it does to relationships, what it does to the family. And God is speaking as one whose people divorced him. And they're like, well, how did we divorce you? And, and he starts to point to different things. But this specific thing is mentioned in him saying, this is how you've broken covenant with me. Watch this. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time you and your ancestors have turned away from the decrees and have not kept them, return to me and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will immortal uh, and God says this uh, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? And because you're robbing me of that, because you're not bringing those, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, you're robbing me. I had someone tell me last night Do you know what they were robbing God of? And I love this. You know what they were robbing God of? They weren't robbing him of something that was his. The tie's his. We already talked about that. You know what I believe? After talking to this brother last night, they were robbing God of being able to bless them. They were under a curse. God didn't, God's not gonna, God's a blesser. What are they robbing him of? They're robbing him of, of bestowing blessing upon the people. Why? Because they didn't have order. Why? Because they were far off from the Lord. One of the ways we connect here and receive the blessing that He wants to give us is by bringing tithes and offerings. And so it keeps going, verse, uh, verse nine, you are under a curse, you and the whole nation because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields uh, will not drop their fruit before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. First one, divine alignment. The second one, and this is worth mentioning, is that this actually provokes the Lord, not just to bless us, but to rebuke the devourer. What's the devourer? The devourer is just the one that like, it just never seems like there's enough. It always seems like something's breaking down, something's not working out. In Haggai chapter one, he talks about the people putting money in their pockets and their pockets have holes in them. It was just this idea that that as we take care of the Lord's house, he'll take care of ours. He'll rebuke the devourer that attempts to come uh, against our house. I remember years ago, there was a woman, she kept having a broke down car, kept having a broke down car, kept having a broke down car. And so we were uh, applying for benevolence. We're like, hey, benevolence, here you go, here you go. But after like the second or third time, we're like, dude, you need a new car. And so we sit down and we talk to her about her finances and her financial home where she wasn't tithing. And so one of the things that we do, when someone applies a benevolence, we don't just hand out money, we like to make sure that, "Hey, what's really going on here?" And so as people start praying and walking with her, realize that she wasn't tithing, she starts tithing, and within like three months, she got a new car, supernaturally. And that car did not break down. That car was fine. But it was something about the Lord getting her attention in her stewardship of what she had. And the tithe actually broke off, I believe, a curse that the devourer was uh, doing in her finances. And all of a sudden, she's not here anymore. She moved. But if she was here, I would stand her up. And with tears in her eyes, she goes, I just can't believe the power of the tithe and the power of offerings. I did not know. She sounded just like that. (laughs) So divine alignment, devourers, abuked. And then I love this, that he mentions this. He says, he says, you'll be a witness to the nations. The nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Um, and the last point, and it's not, I didn't read it in Malachi, but he talks about the Lord keeping a record of our givings. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, um, it says that his alms came before the Lord. And so he sends Peter uh, to Corneas to preach the gospel. First Gentiles are converted, Acts chapter 10. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But the alms and offerings that Cornelius was given to the Lord, the Lord took a record. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says that Jesus was sitting by the offering box. And it says he was looking not at what people were giving, he was looking at how they were giving it. It's a delineation. It's a really important word there. It's not what they were giving. He's looking at the offering box and how they're giving. And you know what provoked him? A widow. You know what she gave? What would be equivalent to two Roman pennies. The Lord so provoked in how she gave. It wasn't what she gave. It was how she gave. She says, this woman gave more than anyone else. Why? Because he's looking at the heart and giving has to do with the heart. How you steward your resources have to do with your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Let me just pray for you real quick. And uh, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come up. Uh, Jesus, I, I just, I know that this message was in obedience to your voice. And I believe, Father, specifically for young families, you're bringing order to their financial house. And, uh, and Lord I believe I believe their possessions today are a seed for what's to come. Lord, how they steward the seeds that they currently have. I feel that some of you, some of you listening to this message, you're going to steward wealth in the end times but these principles are so crucial to you that this is just wetting your ap- appetite of a significant part of your calling as a steward of his resources that the Lord wants to bless you he wants there's a transfer of wealth there's a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous but he's looking for those that he can entrust this too. He's looking for hearts that are fully devoted to Him, and if you're faithful with a little, watch what I do, beloved. I feel like there's some marketplace business guys, some entrepreneurs, and the Lord, as you start to steward the tithe, the offering, and sacrificial gifts that He's calling you to make, it's going to provoke His heart, as it did as as, as, as Solomon provoked His heart. And there's just going to be some blank checks. Like, what is it that you want? You have been found faithful in my eyes. Faith with a little here's more. And I just so believe it, Lord. I so believe that you're going to bestow upon some young entrepreneurs, some young uh, uh, men and women in this room to fund missions agencies, to fund uh, uh, missions movements to the nations. I think of our Gen Z initiatives. It takes finances. And I feel like the Lord is establishing stewards in this house through teachings like this. But Lord, I pray that you will release the spirit of the fear of the Lord over those in this room, that they have ears to hear what you're speaking to our church this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, if you need prayer, uh, these guys are here to pray for you. Uh, Behind me are spiritual ninjas. They don't look like it, but if you had spiritual eyes, they're ready to do some business. Some of you need direction, healing, whatever you need. Come up and get it uh, from them.